This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> no, uh, a hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. All right, George, here we go. Does my guardian angel watch me pound off? Find out all that and more on this week's episode of Cool Kids Bible Study. We'll also be addressing a question about Russia, Ukraine. Wow. Big topics today. World shattering yeah. topics, really. It's really, it says a lot about the state of the world that people are turning to Cool Kids Bible Study to break down <laughs> Russia, Ukraine. <laughs> well, luckily we both we both been to where is John? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we both been to George Georgetown studying political science, so we know everything there is to know yeah. about that. I'm sure. Oh boy. So yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Well, we're actually not recording this on an usual day. You know, it's a... Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, we should apologize. Yeah, we got absolutely wrecked on our normal Thursday. At least I did. I don't, I don't know about you, but... Yeah, my Thursday was, was really not great. Mm. I Honestly, I'm kind of glad we canceled because I was going to go into that episode recording in a pretty pissy mood. So, mm. it's good. Saturday morning recording. I just had three shots of espresso. I'm amped. I'm good to go. <laughs> I'm vibing. All right. And well, uh, yeah. we want to dive into uh, white banter. Get out of my head. <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. Okay. So <laughs> last night, I'm um, hanging out with my girlfriend and I cleared my throat. Mm. And she goes, Wow. And I'm like, What? She goes, e Every time you clear your throat now, I. I expect that light banter has been cued. <laughs> like I'm gonna say. <laughs> <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. Oh, good. Like I'm about to. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. High praise. Yeah, yeah. It means it's just We're living something. in people's heads now, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure they exactly they no. want our voices. So. My favorite feedback is from my my older brother, where he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, uh, whenever I listen to the show, I just find myself yelling at the speakers, and then I realize, oh my god, this is the first time in my life my brother is saying some dumb shit, and I can't interrupt him. <laughs> it's the tr most tragic thing <laughs> ever, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 because that is sort of the role of an older brother. <laughs> You know, just to be like, oh, my younger brother's popping off about some complete fucking Making nonsense. an idiot of himself. Hey, idiot. <laughs> in front of five yeah. people. <laughs> Dozens of listeners. <laughs> Dozens. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Holy Week's upon us. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. You sound you sound pumped. I mean, it. yeah, I, I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's one of those two days a year that people show up and they expect you to be nice to them because they, they're in your church. You know, the other one's Christmas. <laughs> and it's like, oh, haven't seen you since December. Actually, in this case, because of COVID, I haven't seen people for like three years. So hopefully the, the chaff mm, has Because they've been, been being very responsible. Yeah, the, the chaff has been, yes, right. they've been very responsible, staying at home, 
not worrying about getting anyone sick at church. And so I'm, you know, very appreciative of that, of course. But yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny. You all say that you've been uh, watching my sermons on YouTube to uh, yeah, the you know, count stay is... COVID safe, but. <laughs> it's conspicuously low. Why is that? <laughs> it's interesting because 47 people told me that they tune in every week, but we get about 23 views. So are you all meeting in one place, socially distanced to watch? <laughs> yeah, there's, it's like basically a mega church where they're streaming me on the screen at some other location or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for as much hate as the clergy gets in all denominations. Much of that hate is deserved, the, but yeah. Yeah. The laity, I mean, just <laughs> awful. I think we should bash the laity more. It's the common man right. who is too often spared of derision in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 Now call me a Hamiltonian if you <laughs> must. But my 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 opinion stands. Yeah. Yeah, well, this week is Easter week. So, at least for us, um, I don't know when the Eastern Orthodox. I know the Eastern Orthodox do it. You know, not this week. I don't know when the Oriental yeah. Orthodox do it. The the it's it split. So the Armenians decided um, because uh, if you know anything about Armenian Americans, we're all about assimilation. <laughs> um, just check out Glendale. <laughs> but we we follow the like American like national holiday church calendar basically gotcha you know gotcha. so you so it's this week yeah we do holy week this gotcha. week and then um uh you know obviously like most orthodox churches celebrate it the, the week after so um i'll be i'll be sort of doing both right because there's there's like a a greek orthodox church that's very close to me that does everything in english Okay. Yep. And the the Armenian Apostolic Church that's nearest to me in Charlotte is like a very like immigrant community centered church. Mm -hmm. So everything is in Gorapar, which is like they call it I, they call it High Armenian. It's really just like Church Armenian. Gotcha. It's, it's a version of Armenian that only exists because of and for the church. Okay. So. Um, like, whereas a lot of Armenian churches that are, like, fourth-generation Armenians will do everything except for the Divine Liturgy in English, this church does everything in Armenian. Gotcha. And I can't read Armenian fast enough to keep up. So, and, and as you know, right, George, like, the Orthodox fly through liturgy. Yes, they do. Amen. There are so many, like, priests right. to thank. And, and venerate or whatever, they just fly through yeah. them. So uh, imagine reading, like, an ancient form of Armenian at that speed. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I kind of go to the Greek Orthodox Church because that's all in English. Mm. And then uh, while I'm, like, learning the Armenian stuff, and I'll go to the Armenian Church, like, now and again and just be lost. Because also they don't – this church doesn't do that thing where they project the English. Gotcha. Just – Right, which a lot of churches do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're just like, eh, fig figure it out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> which, if you're from Armenia, you already know all this and you have figured it mm -hmm. out, you know. But like, so yeah, it, it's it's just one of those things that you know. Yeah. Well, 
we all, the only thing to know is that all that shows me is that the laity isn't isn't going to put in the work to uh, to learn that high Armenian, and that's pretty disappointing. So <laughs> exactly. we're back at it again. But but yes, this is Easter exactly. week, so that's exciting. If we yeah, I, I, look, we never want to go an episode without bashing the players. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're not men of the people, but we are sort of men for the people. So, I um one time okay. Mm. I had a a Budweiser. Oh. I can't believe you do that to yourself. And I felt a sort of kinship with the sort of rustic Americana mm. briefly. <laughs> And I must say, I, I didn't, I didn't hate all of it. So you know, I, I'm this is I'm turning over a lot of new leaves sure, in my life. Yeah. I might do a, um, I might do a, a NASCAR event. Wow. Or attend. A, I might take part in the collective viewing of a of a NASCAR. Mm. Is am I, George? Is that? Oh, I don't. I, the last the last sport I watched was a was a polo match between some lads at the local club. So I I don't I don't know what people are doing these days. I don't know how you call it. I only yeah no I only follow uh, uh, international fencing and Formula One at this gotcha. point. So well yeah well, yeah it's I actually guess this hilarious is a big growth, trying to make small talk with people week. at church yeah. where they're like how about them Tar Heels and I'm like. <laughs> Is that a, um, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible. I've had to like learn to fake talking about sports with people because, um, yeah, that wasn't a joke. I really do basically follow like fencing and formula. I was joking. (laughs) I don't, I don't watch polo. (laughs) It's bad. All right. So does my guardian angel watch me pound off? Yeah. Let's find out. All right. All right. Let's let's make it happen. George's deep dive. It's so deep. It's so deep. I mean, it's, it's All right. Not. First off, I really have to know for for uh personal reasons mm. if this guy or gal guardian angel mm. is is watching me does he ha- have to like watch me all the time george oh cole 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 what a question that would be uh well if 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 you guys can't tell already cole decided to do this one because he's he's very prurient in his nature and so he demanded that we do this ridiculous topic uh where we have to talk about whether or not an angelic being watches you masturbate so now i have to explain this but i guess uh I guess to answer your question, very bluntly, at least at first, is that Cole told me to do lots of research on angels. He was like, listen, I've done mine, so you're going to have to do your research. I have. And I was like, all right. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go into this this here Bible, crack it open, look a little bit at the history, you know, and, and, and see what people popularly think about angels, and then I'm going to go in. And I... After uh, looking at the texts, after uh, in in uh, in Greek, mind you, um, have determined that you do not need to worry when you pound off coal, because there is no such thing. I don't. I don't pound as off as a guardian angel. So, 
There you go. Are you, is that is that your is that your honest take? That is my honest take. Yes. You don't believe that there's the guardian angels exist. Yes. Yeah. And you do, but you do have to worry because God's me? watching you pound off. Yes. Yeah. That's my honest take. This is the most Presbyterian bullshit. Uh huh. Well, what? Hey, I've how about we go heard. into it and then and then you can uh, you can see it. I mean, I can start with the 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 verse that everyone uses to talk about guardian angels and destroy that, and then uh, then we can move backwards if you want. I was going to end there, but I'd be happy to. But actually, well, I think okay. So just let's just throw. I, out I actually want to talk about angels first. Body of work of 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 Aquinas, then yeah, the angelic doctor, something that wrong. came in the twelve hundreds. Yeah, we can we can right. save him for right. a little later. How about how about that? How about we uh, how about right. we work okay. backwards from the, the from the biblical authors forward? So so okay. W- once you talk about uh, I don't know whatever like twenty first century revelatory interpretation of scripture you're uh-huh. going to use to present the non existence of guardian angel, perhaps I can present Aquinas's view. Okay, cool. I can use Jesus Christ. So we'll start with Jesus Christ and then I'll move backwards. What about the people who spent their lives with Jesus Christ and then founded a church? Uh, yeah, and gave us the Bible and like Matthew, who recorded the words I'm about to read. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Here All we right. Go. Excellent. So if you ever engaged with uh, with anyone who believes in guardian angels or the verse that is used by Christians throughout history, uh, at least at first, and we're talking about. The idea of a guardian angel not becoming in vogue until like the four or five hundreds where you get this weird pseudopigrapha of an angelology appear and Christian thing and then kind of spread throughout it. But um, we have the first reference and only reference to this idea coming from Matthew 18.10, which is Jesus teaching brings little children forward, right? And he talks about how everyone should be a little child in their faith, things like that. And then he, he tells people, he says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that there are angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven, right? And so people have taken that and they've gone, well, that means that each of these little children has angels that, that watch over them, right? So yeah, the little ones refer to children in this case, right? Which is why uh, you get images like the one that Cole sent me a few weeks ago. Because apparently Cole prays to his guardian angel. Which is pretty funny. No, no, no. And I'm gonna read the prayer that he apparently says. This is this is a Catholic prayer, by the way. So <laughs> Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here. A B A B, like that. Ever this day be at my side to light and guard and rule and guide. Amen. C D C D. It's not bad, you know. But I, I couldn't write something that good, I don't think. So that's what people usually pick. But in that picture, right, you see an angel looking over two little children. And that's how it's usually kind of depicted in, in you know, pop culture when it comes to that. But the interesting thing here is the tonal shift that Jesus uses in Matthew 18.10, where he's using a very interesting kind of plural uh, there, where he's actually talking about there as in, there being the the group or the the people that are there with him, right? And so a lot of people have taken this, and I believe that this is the correct one to take, right? Is that he's speaking of the church at large. And this actually is very evident in books like Revelation, where each of the churches themselves has an angel that looks over them. And I think what's important here is thinking about what the role of angels are. So what is what is an mm-hmm. angel, Cole? Well, an angel is a messenger right. of God. Right. The word means messenger, right? right. So um, 
so so like in orthodoxy or catholicism veneration of angels is seen as uh veneration of of them as a reflection of god as as god's uh messengers and servants so sort of acknowledgement that like um it's just sort of like thanking someone for a gift right someone gives you something and you say like wow george is such a great person look at how beautiful this thing he gave me is it's great Mm -hmm. that that would be a very sort of like basic breakdown um yeah that 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 would be it so in, in catholicism uh it's i think in orthodoxy like there there aren't as many well imagine that they don't have as many like really detailed takes on everything as the catholics do mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah in in orthodoxy it's not as explicitly delved into in, in detail as it is in catholicism where there's like an official they even have like an official organization whose duty it is to like uh bring humans ever closer in, in touch with with their angelic counterparts mm. which i think is a little bit much but the view is that each believer has a guardian angel assigned sure um that each church has a guardian angel assigned and uh so on and so forth right to sort of like be to that that god when he acts in these people's lives acts through uh these angels right so it's not the view that like God is bound to act through his angels, mm-hmm. but the view is that this is, seems to be a way that he chooses to act. This is a structure that he has uh, set up. So. Sure, yeah, and and <clears throat> angels themselves are kind of interesting. Is like beings that have like been created. Like what what's the purpose of that um, uh, and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but it seems that you know, in that sense, the idea that God just glories through creating, right? Like. He, he commands all sorts of things like rocks and and the seas and uh, stuff like that. And so it's just like this right. idea that God is in command of all these things. And he uses angels as a way of kind of like acting out his will in, in the world, right? But the interesting role of the angel in the Bible is they're messengers, but there's also something else about them, which is usually not talked about all that much, which is where you get – the idea uh, that these angels are warriors, right? And you actually see this most in Catholicism. I think you do see it a little bit in Eastern Orthodoxy um, as well. But like, there, there's this idea that angels uh, are not uh, something that you necessarily want to see or be around because they're these incredibly powerful military uh, creatures. I I think. Um, that the best way to think about it is uh, is in Martin Luther's hymn. He has a hymn called "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God," and one of the one of the lyrics that it it says uh, it calls God Sabaoth, um, and you see some of that in Latin stuff in the Middle Ages as well. And Sabaoth is a is a Hebrew word which means hosts. So the God of hosts is a common way the Old Testament refers to God, mm-hmm. and that's like the God of armies. Uh, and the, these armies are made up of angels who are like these battle warriors and uh you don't really see that depicted too much besides with michael um because he's mentioned in daniel and um, other places as kind of being being like that type of person um but these these they're they're these warriors and it commonly uses the old testament commonly uses this images of angels encamping around a body of believers uh and so uh notice the plural again there like the body of israel is what the angels encamp against 
Um, and mm-hmm. so it's interesting there that it's like that there's these angels that are around the people, but not uh, not watching over each and every one of them because that's not really their job because they're they're like an army. Um, so it was it, I, I thought that was interesting when I was going through it because angel appears, by the way, over like 300 times in the whole Bible. So it's have, very have I been muted this whole time? I don't time? think so. I've been hearing you. Oh, OK, good. Okay, but no, I, I said, uh, or like in, in Hebrews, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? It, it's it's not clear there whether it's individuals or a body, but you could easily read that as like, okay, those who will inherit salvation, body of people. I see what yeah. you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's 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 interesting in that in that way because it's. Usually when we think of angels, we, one, don't think of them as warriors, <laughs> uh, or we don't, uh, and we don't think of them as, as being yeah. like a group that actually watches us, right? And you usually say when angels are mentioned, right, it's a group of angels that are mentioned, unless you have very specific ones like Gabriel and, and Michael. Um, and then we have ranks, and this is where you get really deep into angelology, which is archangels, which is the only one that's mentioned in the Bible, so that's the only one I'll, I'll kind of deal with. Um, mm-hmm. but you also have like this whole history that's kind of dealt with trying to figure out what's, who's in the command structure and stuff like that. I'm not too, too concerned right. about that, but that was just, I just found that that, that was interesting. So yeah, angels are up here all over the place. Um, and it's, it's interesting to talk about more, more mentions in the new Testament than the old Testament, but, uh, but you get a lot of them in the old Testament as well, obviously. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I think, like, when you go into angelology, I think, like, the Catholics seem most focused sure. on this. Yeah, big time. Right? Yeah. And on sort of, like, delving into... But when you describe them as, like, warriors, mm-hmm. right, um, I think we should discuss kind of, like, the fall and what sort of happened in the in what's thought to have happened in the angelic world during that period right is that um there was this you know fall from grace of of one of the highest angels uh lucifer right and at that time i don't know some amount some percentage of angels uh fell as well and now there's this spiritual war between them yeah so i've heard that uh i've heard theologians estimate that they think like i don't know maybe like a third of of the angels fell during the fall or or some some amount less than half or something um and so now you have this sort of like and it's interesting to think of like angels as having as being these divine beings with a will you know um that could that that each of them chose at a certain point either to or to not take part in the fall. Your video just died, but whatever. Oh, it did? Can you still get my... Yeah. My... Yeah, I'm still hearing you. Okay, good. So that is that is sort of an interesting, like, thing to ponder, right? Sure. Not for you, apparently. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all interesting to ponder. Um... Well, it is interesting to think about, uh, like, in the sense of, like, what is going on. But I think that that's so esoteric and so beyond, like, uh, 
uh, our knowledge that it's just guess games. Like even Lucifer, attaching yeah. the word Lucifer to the Bible is kind of, uh, or to the devil is kind of a stress. Like in the Bible, he's referred to as Hasatan and uh, Diablos or the devil in, in Greek, right? But like the, the idea of Lucifer, that's kind of like a later addition. And there's a lot of debate around that verse uh, that is taken from Daniel and other places about who that's referring to. So like it, it's all it's all it's all very uh, it's all very kind of in in the realm of like Diablo two or Diablo three where it's just like a bunch of angels fighting and you have to like fight with them or whatever and it's just like, I don't know it's 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 all very you know difficult to tell uh, like estimating how many fell or something like that but I think like what's important to think about is like what do angels do in the bible like what do they actually do when they show up mm. right well they announce things so you have like the birth of jesus right they minister to jesus in the wilderness right angels come and tend right. to him they roll the stone away right they open the doors for the apostles and acts um they, they carry out god's yeah yeah they direct tasks, evangelists where basically. to go like fill up right yeah they they speak to unbelievers they then they come with jesus at his second coming right it's like an army and there's going to be the whole war in heaven and that's like new testament references but in the old testament they do lots of the same things um so i think that the difference uh thing and maybe perhaps what is what is the big question for me when it comes to angels and i think like when you get deep into angelology or deep into like guardian angel stuff this is ultimately the retort that i think a lot of people ha <clears throat> a lot of people have is why do angels exist in the first place because god could just snap his fingers and do what angels do right like why right. Do, why does an angel need to do these types of types of things so like what would be what would be your your response to that i have my own but but what would be kind of you shooting from the hip well my my i mean it, it's not me shooting from the hip but uh the the like often echoed opinion on this because you could say this about any number of ways in which god acts yep. or structures things or uh, it just decides to speak to us or anything you could you could query and say like well, why this way if sure. he's all powerful and i think the simple answer is just that this is a way that he's chosen to structure uh the reality this is a way that he's a way that he's chosen to act okay yeah he's clearly not bound by it right like god speaks directly to people all the time in the bible Right. It's not as if it's like an angel appeared and, and an angel who is a messenger of God gave me a message and he presented to me a scroll and he put on his reading glasses and read it. And it said, <clears throat> dear Abraham, right. It's God. Yeah. I'd like you to know it's no God's just like, Hey, <laughs> right. So, so he's clearly not bound by the, by this structure, right? That that's not it. He's just chosen to work. It's dude, much the same way as like, okay, the CEO of a company can directly call someone into his office, right? Right. Or the CEO of a company can assign, uh, like a, a lesser employee to call someone into their office and dole out the same uh, instructions. I don't know. Like sometimes he'll choose to do it that way. So, so it's a structure that he has created for for some reason, but isn't bound by. That's how that's how it's been explained to me, and that's how I sort of see it right yeah so uh i you know and i i think that that's really true i i think that that's that's the thing is that like it like god it, that's why i was trying to get at is like god like 
rejoices right in in creation and in uh and in praise right so like that's why it's really interesting when you read like the psalms and you even see like the rocks and uh, the trees cry out in praise right so it's like all these mm. things so i i think it's just through command right that it's an interesting thing and of course yeah we don't know for sure why any of this happens but we know that they're there um and uh and so we have them four things and then like you said in verses in hebrews right they have 13 mm -hmm. and 14 which is sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool at your feet are you not all uh are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation so you know angels exist for the sake of christians right and to to help make it help them make it to salvation that's kind of the role of angels within within the church so they serve within god's providence to do things um right and uh and i was i was in, it was interesting because you see just how many they are in like the prophetic books because like you only right. have two named angels in the bible you have michael and gabriel um but then like you have daniel seven ten, and it has a river of fire was flowing coming out before him because daniel's having a vision right thousands upon thousands attended him ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him and the court was seated and the books were opened and you have a similar image in revelation um, and so you have like, you know, depending on how you want to count all these things, you have like a hundred million angels standing before God, right? Mm -hmm. In this like heavenly courtroom. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say many, many more than that. Yeah. Even. Yeah. I, I think that yeah. that's, it's just like the prophetic image is just like, there's just so many to count that, like that right. number in Hebrew basically just means like, uh, there were a lot, there were just a lot there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, more than could be conceivably. <laughs> more uh, than one. <laughs> <laughs> possibly infinity um so yeah so yeah. They, they exist in like grandeur and obedience to god and they call attention to him right they're supposed to point right to point to him that's kind of the goal of, of angels um yeah and so that's that's how that's how i view it right and actually uh this is where i'm gonna flip it on on you cole because i said that guardian uh, you don't have a guardian angel i actually think people have many guardian angels um not yeah. not just so, one. so do so do the catholics yeah so 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 the catholics believe that you have at least one okay it's not their their stance that you have a guard they say that like people in especially people in like that have sort of like important spiritual journeys and missions right will be assigned multiple you know and they believe that each church has one yes yeah as well yeah, so, and that that's um, an idea just for people to under, to try and figure out like what does it mean to have for a church to have a guardian angel? That's an idea that's taken from some parts of the Old Testament where nations have angels that watch over them and report mm -hmm. things to God and kings have them as well. And you also have in Revelation uh angels that watch over the churches in that. So that's where people are getting that yeah. idea from. So, okay, I I want to break down very quickly because it doesn't seem like you're going to a sort of like angiological uh like explanation for what it even means that there's a guardian angel or an angel, right? Watching over something. Mm -hmm. Because I think we immediately picture like person with wings just sort of floating around someone. A little baby. Being like, oh, make sure he doesn't stub his toe. Right. Right? Which is silly. And we make fun of people for thinking that because it, it sounds ridiculous. It's such a sort of anthropomorphized conception of something that's supposed to be so powerful and mystical and spiritual uh, as to where it should be totally alien mm. to us sure right so i would say first of all um angels are not 
human shaped at all. Yeah. Angels are not corporeal in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. They right? can so they angels, can take on those aspects if they wish, but not naturally. They can take on whatever aspect they, they yeah. choose to or whatever appearance to us they choose to. But um, if you want to see how terrifying they're described in their true form, um, there is a, a YouTube clip called uh, Biblically Accurate Angels where a group of animators has taken scripturally accurate angels and animated them and it is terrifying right and you can immediately see why when they show up in in scripture the first thing they say is like don't be afraid okay i know this is crazy i know this is crazy okay yeah because <laughs> they're they're really like awe-inspiring terrifying creatures but it's not as if you have this floating thing following you it's not as if you have anything following you right because angels live in the spiritual realm right so they don't have to follow someone mm -hmm. to hear them or to act in their lives. An angel cannot be described as even residing somewhere in in our material world the way that we understand it, right? So the, the, the line, I think this is Aquinas, but he says like an angel is where that angel is acting because an angel is not bound by the rules of travel that we experience. Right. If an angel wants to act... In Cairo, the angel is in Cairo. Mm -hmm. If an angel wants to act in Beijing, the angel is in Beijing. There's no difference. It's not as if travel is a part of the angelic, what it is to be an angel at all. Um, so that's a really important distinction. Also, thought, the way that they think, as described by Aquinas, is, is also completely alien to us. So whereas, like, for example, we see a chair and we say that is a chair, mm -hmm. right? Um, why do we know that? Well, because like we've seen, we were shown a chair as a child and we were so this is a chair, chair, look at object. This is a chair. Mm. Then we saw many other things described as chairs. We formed a conception in our minds of a sort of meta chair. And then when we're shown a new chair, we've not seen before, we marry this concept in our heads with the image of the chair that we're seeing before us. We say, oh, that is also a chair, chair, right? Uh, this is a very human way of like thought where we have to go again. We have to, if I want to go to Cairo, I have to go to an airport. I have to get in a plane. I have to take a plane that travels to another airport. I have to get off that plane. It's step by step by step by step. Angels just know that that's a chair. Mm -hmm. They don't have a process of reasoning to get through. They have, because they're like beings of pure spirit crafted by God, uh, almost like an extension of God, right? they just have knowledge yeah right? this is this is the idea in angela so they just they don't have to like observe think like observe conceptualize think like like they don't have to get in a car and drive to get somewhere they just arrive there they just arrive at thoughts and they have perfect knowledge right and this is right. one of the this is big differences between humans and angels because one of the things that often people don't understand is that uh, angels are actually lower in the created order than humans are, which is, is difficult because we, uh, well, sometimes you'll run into people at funeral homes. They'll be like, oh, heaven's gained another angel today. No. Totally wrong. No, totally wrong. wrong. Your, you, your grandpa is not a dead angel. Yeah, no one becomes an angel when you die. <laughs> uh, that's heretical. Don't believe that. Yeah. Uh, no, and that's actually a good thing that they don't because – only one people 
well, thing, created thing in the universe is made in the image of God, and that's the human race, right? Uh, angels certainly have some sort of uh, semblance to God, but are not not at the same thing, and that's why, like, even that's why the the Bible can say things like even angels long to look at these things that we have, right? Because they just mm -hmm. don't understand some of the things that we are able to. Um, and I think that yeah. a lot of people forget that um, because they kind of forget that angels are not like these just completely independent of God beings that fly around and do stuff as as like as you were showing that they they don't they don't. Um, but, uh, but actually that they're, they're messengers and agents of God's will in the world. Uh, and so I think the only good, the, the very good Protestant critique that exists of angels is that, that it can sometimes turn into the weirdness of, of like where you're, where the angel is distracting you from God. And I think that there, there's no point that an angel should do that because you see this continually in the Bible, like an angel will appear to someone and they'll bow down to them and the angel will be like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Turn yeah, turn yeah, and worship yeah, yeah. God. You see that all over Revelation, especially. Um, this, it's just like the God scene in uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? We're averting our eyes, oh Lord. Well, well don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like those miserable psalms. They're so depressing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think like that's that. I think when protestants in the, in the middle ages at the, during the reformation uh when the church split and the and the protestants took a very hard-line stance many of them against some of the angelology of of the catholic church i think that that was a a, a reactionary or response to seeing some of the uh what do you want to call it uh, over emphasization of angels in in some things and that it was distracting people away from what angels were, were supposed to do but I, I don't think that uh, it, it would be right to say that stuff like guardian angels don't exist, or at least in the sense of like in general, um, because I think that they're there in scripture. I think it just is a larger framework um, to show God's sovereignty. And you see this through, through hosts of angels doing things. Um, so everyone could have all sorts of uh, angels following them around or whatever. So mm -hmm. that's, that's more yeah. my my take on it. So, so I have, I have an angel story, right? Cause I was exploring this idea and, and I'm a very like, I'm like a charismatic Christian. I'm, I'm very into like my personal relationship with God and all this stuff. Not that that, you know, not that I rely on that above, you know, uh, scripture sure. or, or church teaching or whatever, but that is a big part of my experience. So, and God has, has communicated with me via humor, like very often in the past. So I said this prayer. I was like, hey, if, if I have a guardian angel following me, if you could show me that you're real by or you're there, you show me your presence by acting some way in my life and by showing me like if you have a sense of humor. And and then like two days after I said that prayer, I received the license plate from my new car in the mail and the license plate ended in six, 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 sixty nine. So now every time I go to church. People make see my license plate mm -hmm. and make fun of me because it has the devil's number and then 69 at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right? It looks like I'm a sort of uh, sexual deviant Satanist <laughs> who ordered a custom license plate, right? So for, for anyone who is not aware, like, right, so George, you probably don't believe this, but um, number repeating numbers in threes and fours are considered angelic numbers. 
right? So these numbers are, are a lot of people believe are, are like messages from angels or sent by angels, right? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that that happened two days after my prayer is hilarious, objectively. Even if you think it's all bullshit, that's funny, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I, I found that really entertaining. Six 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 sixty nine. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Show up to Bible study with that on the back of your car now. <laughs> it's like ah. Yeah, yeah. And and I uh let me do one thing to cover myself before we leave the the deep dive and go and go into the talking about geopolitics like we're qualified to do. Uh, yeah. because I've been getting lots of crap from some truly reformed people out there in the listenership for not challenging Cole enough and and making and shoving reformed theology down Fuck his Thomas Wong. <laughs> down Fuck his, you, Thomas Wong. <laughs> down his throat. So, just to back up all what I was saying today, because in case he he all he got all all pissy about it, let me let me read from Calvin Calvin's commentary on the Gospels Matthew Mark and Luke he combines them in a harmony commentary. So he's talking about Matthew eighteen ten, which is the one where Jesus says that the angels from heaven look down on the little children. Right? He says the interpretation given to this passage by some commentators as if God assigned to each believer his own angel does not rest on solid grounds. For the words of Christ do not mean that a single angel is continually occupied with this or the other person, and such an idea is inconsistent with the whole doctrine of Scripture, which declares that angels encamp around the godly, and that one, not one angel only, but many, have been commissioned to guard every one of the faithful. Away then with the fanciful notion of good and evil angel, and let us rest satisfied with the holding that the care of the whole church is committed to angels to assist each member as his necessities shall require." So yeah. you have that's there. a refutation of a very surface level version of guardian angels, right? And I would argue inconsistent with the Catholic Church's actual stance on guardian angels, as saying like, yeah, a guard an angel cannot be something floating by you all the time that's only business is to deal with you, but rather a being that can act in your life. But also is doing other things, right? And that so I would say I would say Calvin is rightly striking down either a very badly misinterpreted um, version of the guardian angels by some Catholics, uh, or perhaps like you know an inaccurate depiction arising from some other group of people. Yeah, I mean I think he's dealing with the popular belief of late Catholics in the Middle Ages, the so late Middle Ages at yeah. this point, and yeah. I, I guess some Catholic commentators on, on things as well. So I, I just wanted to point this out so I didn't get harangued again. If I, Why if do I, you care, dude? I, I mean, guy's in Japan, I mean, and I, I could kick his ass. I know. I could too. I know. He's not strong. <laughs> I've seen, he's shorter than I am, and you know that I'm like all five foot two inches. So, you know, he's like four foot nine or something like that, right? But like still it's just it's just annoying to have that little that little face pop up in my DMs with big with all caps yeah, yeah. while being like, I can't blame him. Uh, by the way, Mary did not have to consent yeah, yeah, yeah. to uh, it's like it's fascinating that that's the point that that riles you. Yeah, it's all right. He's still uh, actually let's let's uh, let's uh please emphasize female consent less. Like, oh, <laughs> that's the type of Christian you are. Great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you must love living in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So, so in short, uh, angels are messengers, right? They're pointing to God and that's their role. So, Dude, uh, we are this close to just doxing Thomas Wong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
He lives in uh, 235 Shibuya Way, Tokyo, Japan. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, let me, let me sum this up. Um, so you, you shouldn't be thinking of one angel watching you when you pound off uh, Cole. Uh, but if you are, you should th- be thinking about many angels. Uh, but especially the fact that God is watching as well, you know, and then, you know, I, I do, do it yeah, that way. You will, I should you. say on a serious note. Yes. As a Christian, you are called upon to not masturbate. Yes. That's right. for that, another that is time. Not, <laughs> that is, we'll cover, we'll cover like the, the variety of sexual sin on another episode. <laughs> perhaps, but yeah, you're, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to be doing that. Um, all right, let's, let's tackle this fucking ukraine thing yeah yeah vladimir putin's really fucking with our podcast dude i know seriously all right here we go i want to ask you a bunch of questions and i want to have them answered immediately you got q's i got a's can i ask you something yeah sure okay so let me just read this annoying question um (laughs) this is what we think of your questioners questions listeners (laughs) i think they're annoying look i I do appreciate the questions just yeah we do here we go in your podcast and this is cameron writing shout out cameron shout out in your podcast have you talked about a christian's perspective on the west versus russia conflict how do we reconcile the west versus a country that's fundamentally christian of the eastern orthodox church a lot to unpack here yeah so yeah, there is a lot to unpack here. Um, so I can West talk a little Russia. about the history, um, but I know that Cole is actually really helpful in this area because you lived in a post-Soviet state where right. the Soviet Union, like, it's not just an Eastern Orthodox country. It's an East, from from what I understand, it's an Eastern Orthodox country that's been through aggressive state atheism, which exactly. is very different than, let's say, Russia in the early 1900s under the Tsar. Or something. Yeah. So uh, under the Soviet Union, um, uh, the KGB infiltrated the church, right? So the KGB basically infiltrated the church to see and and sort of like stake out people whose loyalties were more to the church than to the state, because nothing was allowed to challenge the state in any way, shape, or form in the Soviet Union. So in Armenia, for example, because Armenia like is historically very strongly Christian nation um what they would do is they would force uh the clergy to commit heresy to deny the divinity of christ to do all sorts of things uh acting against god and then those who didn't were either shot in front of other clergy or exiled to siberia and and forced to live out their lives in like brutal uh work prison camps Mm. uh so uh, there's a great book called Father Arseny about this. It's A-R-S-E-N-Y about uh, an Armenian priest who refused to uh, c- commit acts of heresy and therefore was sent to Siberia and spent his, uh, spent his life there in brutal conditions. Um, so, yeah, this is very recent history, mm-hmm. right? The Soviet Union fell like late 80s, early 90s. Um, the Russian Federation is sort of like still running on the same basic ideology in many ways they sort of reluctantly have 
adopted uh, a, a quasi-capitalistic system. But all of their leadership is Soviet-educated. So they were all educated to believe that uh, religion is a fairy tale used to um, essentially exert elite power on the people, which is such an ironic take coming from, like, a Soviet background. <laughs> right? Sure. Um, and that, you know, this is all nonsense, right? So, uh, remarkably, the... Russian Orthodox Church has survived, but they've survived by sort of like having to adapt and kowtow to the state whenever necessary. Um, and, and so I would say like to sort of look at Russia as an as a Christian country of any kind is uh, inaccurate. I would say there are many Christians in Russia and there is a, a very beautiful church in Russia, the, the, the Russian Orthodox Church, but uh, the, the country has, has nothing to do with Christianity, right? In terms of like on a state level. So as an anarchist, I always find it really important to emphasize when states act, it is the government of that state that's acting. And it very often does so expressly against the wishes of its people. Now, I'm not saying, like, I, I don't know, that there's too much fog of war to see how the Russian people, the Vox Populi, feels about this war. Okay, I mean, you, depending on what media, what polling you rely on, it could be anywhere from, oh, they strongly disagree with this war, to they strongly support this war. And then you have the question of, well, those who strongly support it, why do they strongly support it? Are they merely propagandized or do they feel that NATO has pushed the country too far for too long and that there needs to be a last stand again? And is that so there's a ton. There is a ton to unpack here. But I'd say that the Christian aspect of this war, because I've seen people saying like, oh, like within uh, people within orthodoxy, oh, two orthodox countries fighting. How tragic. Well, they're both former Soviet countries. Mm. They're both led by largely atheistic uh, governments who are actually calling the shots here and doing things. It's not as if the church has any significant institutional power in either of these countries. So the church is sort of just reluctantly along for the ride right? as, as these things uh, take place. Um, so I would say it's, it's, it's a little bit of like a, a false narrative to say like, well, what, how do we look at this through that lens? I would say, well, we shouldn't because it, it doesn't have explanatory power because the church is not really the one acting here. Yeah. If I could just add two things, just interesting things. And I think they, they, one of them is just kind of a historical thing. So I'll save that for a second. But, but one thing I think it, it'll be interesting, right? So someone could say to that, like, if you want, if you follow the news at all, one of the things you'll see quite often coming out of Russia, oh, this is before the war, I don't know what's going on now, but you'll see like Putin kind of playing up the orthodox history of Russia, right? So he's become very close with Patriarch Kirill of Moscow. Uh, and also mm -hmm. like you have images that surfaced during the Syrian conflict of like Russian Orthodox priests blessing missiles and uh, stuff like that and like computers and, yeah. and things like that. And um, well, one, you know, that's not, too insane if you think about I, I was a chaplain in the united states navy right like we have chaplains too and i prayed with sailors and soldiers and stuff like that uh marines and so like that's not that 
crazy. But I think like people don't expect like the church to take such an as the church, right? Not as an individual yeah. chapel. And we never hear what the blessing is, by the way. Sure. Um, right. So the blessing could be like, okay, may this weapon not kill any innocents. May this weapon only be used to defeat those who would cause further bloodshed. May, who knows? Sure. Right. Sure. Like, or, or may this may this weapon inflict minimal harm on uh, minimal harm, such that that it is only violence is only being done sufficient to protect those who cannot be protected otherwise. Like, it could be that, and that's a prayer that I would. It could be a prayer that I would sign my name on and say like. That's a really beautiful sentiment that if these weapons must be used, may they be only used. Who knows, sure. right? So I don't want to like be too hasty to judge, but it does seem like they're kind of reluctantly playing ball with Putin, right? Because they're they're very well aware of what can happen if you don't, right? And I, I don't know what's going on in any of their minds, right? Um, and things like that. But it, yeah, I think that Putin just I I think from his perspective, the way he talks, the way he carries his life, doesn't seem like he's a very active Orthodox Christian. Although he certainly would identify himself that <laughs> no way. way, right? But he uh, but he certainly sees, and maybe this is coming from the Soviet perspective, or just like a big like governmental dictatorship type thing to use whatever organs that are in society to prop up your 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 power and so he's he's very willing to use the church in that area um and uh, and i mean there are many you know and this isn't saying anything about the the people of russia there are many orthodox i'm sure christians in russia who don't like that or even if they they don't have a problem with it you know are, are faithful and stuff like that but uh it's just interesting but i i do think this is a very – I think Cameron's really interesting here bringing out the east-west thing. Um, and it's interesting that he says Russia in the west, uh, which is which is kind of um, an interesting way of phrasing it. But one of the big differences between western and eastern Christianity uh, is, is, is this relationship between the state and the faith. So in the east, you have the Byzantine emperor, right? And under the Byzantine emperor and subservient to him – was the Patriarch of Constantinople, right, who is considered basically, for all intents and purposes, the first among equals among the Eastern Orthodox. I'm not talking about Oriental Orthodox, just, just Eastern Orthodox. Uh, and, of course, it is, it is him who kind of called the shots for a really long time until Russia came around and then Moscow, the Patriarch of Moscow, started to challenge it. But under – or the way these systems work is there is a king, and under him is the head of the church. And the head of the church – can be removed at any time if they do not follow with the with the, what the king has to do. And some of the most famous people from Eastern Orthodoxy, like John Chrysostom, who was Patriarch of Constantinople, uh, became had this happen to them. They were they got they pissed them off. They got sent off into exile and then were eventually returned and all these other sorts of things. And so in the East, you have a very much king looks down, right? Says you do this. The church says yes, or someone in the church says yes, and if they say no, they they get sent off to some monastery somewhere, right? In the West, you have a very different thing because the Roman Empire in the West completely falls apart. So you have two different groups come together and compete for power, which is the church and the state, which is why you actually have this secular and religious divide in the West, which you really do not see in eastern contexts as much and when you even go to modern countries in eastern europe like greece it's still kind of very interesting to talk with people there because they don't necessarily see why these things have to be separated unless of course they're they're like communists or something like that on the fringes of the of the greek political right. system um and so it's it's just interesting because 
in in the East, there might not even be a necessarily a deeper questioning of that. Um, but just for all the people who are saying Russian Orthodoxy is fighting each other, well, the, the Eastern Orthodoxy actually just had a schism um, between the Patriarch of Constantinople and the Patriarch of Moscow just several years ago over Ukraine because the Ukrainians wanted to be under the ultimate headship of the patriarch of constantinople having their own leader of the the church in ukraine and whereas traditionally they were always under moscow's jurisdiction and so they basically have two competing heads of heads of the ukrainian church right now one appointed by the ukrainians and the ecumenical patriarch in constantinople and one appointed by moscow as well and so you kind of have a really interesting religious conflict in ukraine when it comes to that too so it's it's very complicated, um, but it, it does have this 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 long history of the Soviet era and even before that of of this this state church uh, uh, synergy that that was happening in the East as well. So it's just really fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so so a, a great question. Um, a lot to dive into there. I would say if people are interested in sort of like the religious or spiritual aspect of Russia's actions on the international stage. The person that you need to explore is Alexander Dugin. Mm. It's uh, D-U-G-I-N, and he's one of Putin's top advisors. And uh, he's a very, like, uh, sort of, he's, he's, he's kind of like a political mysticist mm. in a lot of ways. But he definitely views the Russian Orthodox Church as an important part of Russian society without believing that, their metaphysics is accurate. So he's kind of like, oh, the, the, the Russian Orthodoxy is... So he sort of advocates a a pre-Christian uh, Russian spirituality and mysticism mm. to, to, to sort of lead uh, Russia's uh, state leaderships and sort of inform their decisions. Very interesting character. He's been called the sort of like Rasputin of, of modern Russia. Um <laughs> So yeah, but but that's it's again like uh, the the church is seen as a tool of state power there, right? Um, so yeah, whereas in, in Armenian history, if anything, it, it's been the other way around, right? Right. <laughs> in a lot of Armenian history, but also like Armenia has had most of its history without statehood. So well, I don't know about most, but yeah, it could could be most even. So, like, I mean, Armenians, as we understand them, have existed for maybe 3,000 years. So, and a lot of that period has been, we've had the church and no state. Sure. So, yeah, orthodoxy is, is not a, a monolith. It's, you know, and certainly even Oriental orthodoxy is not a monolith. Um, but, yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for the question, Cameron. Uh, we, it is something we've been avoiding for a while just cause like, it's just such a deep and, and intense, heavy topic that's weighing on everyone's hearts. And, and we're all idiots um, and we're idiots. Yeah. And like, we're why, why would you listen? Where is, it? where is jaw? <laughs> where is jaw in this situation? <laughs> yeah. Cameron might need some answers that jaw rule might not have. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Thanks for so apologies for the delayed episode. Thanks for sticking with us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it with your friends and leave a review. Yeah. So until next week, stay cool, cool kids. Peace out.